Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. Together, we're going to explore lessons to help us live well. Let the learning begin. Welcome back to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am so excited to share this heartfelt conversation with you. In this episode, I chat with Shannon Tracy. Shannon is an experienced and passionate primary and secondary school teacher. He shares how being thrown into remote learning left him struggling to find happiness and motivation within his life and teaching. This is a story that will deeply resonate with any big-hearted individual that constantly puts the needs of others ahead of their own. In this conversation, Shannon and I discuss the impact burnout can have on our health, relationships and job satisfaction, the importance of taking time out to reflect on how things are really going, why taking care of ourselves can be so hard and yet so important, the transformative power of self-compassion and so much more. Shannon is a proud husband of Amy and father of three children. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shannon Tracy. Shannon, welcome to the School of Wellbeing. Thank you, Meg. Great to be here. I am so excited to share your wisdom, insight and experience with the audience because you have such a big heart and I think it's big-hearted educators that can really move us all forward. So thank you so much for being here to share your story. It is my pleasure, Meg. My pleasure. I totally agree that there are a lot of teachers out there right now who, as you said, are big-hearted and have their heart in the right spot but losing that direction. Um, And I think I was in that position. I was in that position. I think I was in that position. And, yeah, you got me back on track. You got my heart beating again. So thank you. It's, it's, It's great to be here. Oh, my pleasure. So I'm always curious when it comes to us as educators what got you started? Is it something you always wanted to be or did it come to you a bit later down the track? What's your story to becoming a teacher? Uh, with me, actually, I sort of, I still remember it. I was, I was in grade four at the time and I actually had a student teacher at my primary school. Now, I can't remember the person's name and I actually didn't have much to do with the person, but there was something about this, this bloke, he was actually he was a male teacher, there was this something about this bloke that I thought, Okay, that sounds interesting. That, that looks interesting. I, I think I'd like to be a teacher. So um, it kind of started there. And, and I guess even from there, I started to sort of analyse my teachers. So I do apologise to any of my teachers that might be listening to this, but I guess I was analysing how you taught me and I was picking up your good things and making sure I didn't do your bad things. So that's sort of how I started, Meg. Um, and I guess also as I got older, um, volunteering work was um, and, and teaching people was a big thing for me. So I did a lot of volunteering work. Um, you know, I did the, the like the old Milo Have a Go cricket program, the Oz Kick, those sort of things. So I enjoyed teaching young kids. Um, and then I guess also, um, like when I was 16, I, I became a member of the, our local CFA brigade and I've, I have, I'm still a member of the brigade. So, you know, I get to work with obviously older people and learn from them, but also younger members coming through. Um, I get to also, you know, teach them the ropes too. So I think it's always been something I've wanted to do. I enjoy that teaching element. Um, but also, I guess, 
it's not sort of, you know, me being out front telling people how to do things. It's more working together on a journey to learn things. So, yeah, that's probably that's probably where it all started for me, Meg, all those years ago back in the, in the primary school, grade four classroom. Oh, and I'm sure everybody listening can remember that teacher that just sparked something in them. You think, wow, I didn't know that was possible until I met you. You're just so important. And we probably all know those other ones that think, wow, I wish I never met you. <laughs> so that's the impact we can have as teachers. And I would love to know, what was your first years of teaching like? Did it live up to what you hoped? Um. Yeah, I think it did. I, I, um, I was lucky enough to get a, a job just outside of Ballarat at Haddon Primary School and fantastic staff out there, great staff, great kids, great family. So um, I, was, I was quite fortunate there, I think. Um, I started in a 3-4 class, still remember it. I um, often wonder, you know, how those, where those kids are now. Um, but, yeah, I started there and I loved it. I absolutely loved it, Meg. I remember having sitting down um, with my principal after the, after the first year, you know, to have our discussion about how I went. And, and Mary Ann said to me, look, Shan, you know, I think you're going to make it. You can control a class, which is awesome, and you can teach also, which is pretty good Well, as well. So <laughs> that was quite good. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, my first couple of years were great. Um, my third year uh, was a little bit more challenging. Um, and that had to do with a, a number of circumstances. We had our myself and our, my wife Amy had our second child, then Kai. And uh, Kai had we didn't realise this, but Kai had a thing called silent reflux syndrome. And uh, so I had the I think I had probably the toughest class in the school that year, um, which I guess was a bit of an honour. You know, the principal to sort of give me that class that shows that I was doing the right thing. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, Kai didn't sleep. So, um, so basically, I would um, I would sort of sleep in a different room till about three a.m., and then I'd get up and drive around Ballarat for a couple of hours so Ains could get some sleep, and then so I'd go home about six, so, and then go and teach. So I was basically operating on a low battery, but um, that was a tough year. But in saying that, um, it was a great start. Like I, I really did enjoy working working at Haddon um, and, and the staff there, as I said, were tremendous. And as I said, I really felt well supported by the families out there as well too. So that was sort of, I guess, where it started for me, Meg, my first few years there. And then um, and when we found out we were pregnant, again, with, uh, with our third child, this is um, a couple of years later, uh, we decided it was, uh, it was time to head back home um, for a bit of family support because uh, I don't think we would have survived otherwise. <laughs> I'm sure everybody listening can resonate with some of those moments where, you know, life is a bit different once you throw children in the mix and then trying yeah. to navigate work and uh, sleep and all of these things. And I wish people could see you now because your face is just radiating joy and positivity and you can see that what you do, you love. Yeah. You are a teacher that loves it it is your calling it is your place when you talk about students when you talk about families you are just there you can feel it so I'd love to know from you which parts of teaching just light you up interesting that one there I think my initial answer there would be those those light bulb moments that kids have you know just when they when you're working away as an individual student or a group or your whole class and and you see the light bulb moment, you see they get it. And, you know, you just like, yes, 
yes, this is awesome. You know, this this is what it's all about. Um, and, and and in saying that too, I think probably the the better ones are when you've had to work for it. You know, it's taken a number of sessions to get that light bulb moment. Um, but when you get it, you know that work's been worth it. You know, you've you've tried these different ways to teach the kids. You know, and and finally that that last one you've uh, you know adapted has just gone bang it's got that last child across the line uh so for me that's that's probably definitely that initial response but um another one another reason i think i love about teaching actually and this is going to sound weird is um is well, not weird but the relationships you form with your students um i love that i, I love the relationships um and i think for me i mean yes i had those relationships and i taught in primary school but um, for the last 12 years or so, I've been teaching in secondary schools too because I'm, I'm double trained and I find with that older group, you know, your relationships are a little bit more different. Um, you know, you can have a little bit more banter with them, so to speak, and um, have a parent come up and tell you off for what you said to them. So, you know, um, the relationships have been fantastic. And um, and probably with that, Meg, one, one, one um, example of this was a former colleague who, sorry, a former student who, who's now a colleague, um, got married last year, and so we were invited to her wedding, and um, which I was I was very surprised about. But we went there, so myself and another teacher went there, and halfway through the night, we worked out that there were actually nineteen students who we had taught there, and it was amazing because you kind of had myself and another teacher standing at the front, and you had these nineteen other people horseshoed around us, and we were just we spoke for probably forty five minutes about you know, the old times at school and, you know, what they're up to now and, you know, it was it was probably one of the highlights for me was, you know, just it's like, yes, this is what we this is why we do it, just those relationships we we form and, and it's not just in the classroom, they're, they're lifelong relationships. So they're the two things for me, Meg, I think whilst teaching those light bulb moments and, and the relationships, but then also that relationship that, you know, continues on outside the classroom, that's... That's what I really enjoy about teaching. Yeah, and I'm hearing this thinking, yes, yes, yes. When you see somebody get it who thinks that they couldn't have got it, wow, like that is magic. That is learning in action in front of us. And then to run into a student that you haven't taught for years and to be at their wedding and chatting and having a good time, that is what we're here for, isn't it? We're here. We're in the business of relationships. Yeah. When it Absolutely. comes to good teaching, that's what we're here for. Yeah. We're here for connection. Yeah. And, again, you know, we're not just teachers, you know, within the classroom. We're lifelong learners and we also teach life, you know, always. So, you know, it, yeah, it was brand, absolutely brand. Oh, it's so, so special. And I'd love for you to just share with us a little bit about as you've got older kids now, so you've got past the sleep deprivation in one regard. <laughs> However, I do know that you've got a dog that um, sometimes disrupts that. How did you navigate that constant demand of being a teacher and being a parent? Because so many people I work with are navigating this and I would just love to hear your experience of trying to be present in those spaces. Yeah, um, great point, Meg. Um, as I said, obviously, I think initially when you first start teaching, you know, you want to put your everything into it, you know, and, and I, well, that's something I, I guess I... I haven't really changed in that, you know, I, I invest everything into teaching, you know, because 
if I'm letting a student down or a colleague down, I feel guilty about that. Um, and in saying that, I guess having that mindset that I had to be that way probably led to led, almost led to a burnout of me, Meg, because I, I wasn't I wasn't able to do the, the job as well as I wanted to. Um, so trying to find that balance between work and family was challenging. It really was challenging for me. Um, and now I I pride myself on being a family man. You know, like you know, I, I every moment I have, I'm with my family and, and try to do everything I can with my family. However, I probably found that in the last couple of years, the, the, the pendulum had shifted a little bit and it probably was heading a little bit more towards um, school-based or school-focused, particularly because, like, as you mentioned, my, my kids are a little bit older now. They're more independent, so they're not as reliant upon me. Um, and that was a dangerous shift for me, like having having such – and, again, also I've become, I've also, um, become part of the school leadership team as well. Um, so all of a sudden I didn't want to be letting down my, you know, my, 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 my boss basically. I didn't want to be letting down my colleagues. I didn't want to be letting down my students. And with my kids okay at home by themselves, as I said, that pendulum shifted and I needed to find that right balance for me. Um, and I think probably the, the best slap in the face I got was actually last year during lockdown um, where, I, in all honesty, Meg, I was burnt out. It absolutely destroyed me. Um, lockdown, you know, the the um, being isolated, um, still feeling like you had to be available to your students 24-7, particularly because everything was online, um, was really tough. And I guess for me, Meg, I mean, that's probably been the one of the best things you're, you know, completing your course has given me. Is it's it's given me it's swung the pendulum the other way. Family, you know. I'm spending much more time with my family now. I'm realising that I don't have to be there 24-7 for my students or my colleagues, you know, that, you know, yes, my, my phone will buzz or whatever else and it's okay to ignore it. You know, it's still going to be there tomorrow um, where, you know, you, you only have your, your kids for a very small period of time, you know, before they're off and making their own life. So I think, yeah, finding that balance is essential putting family first is essential and realising that, yeah, work is important, but you're not going to be letting people down. You know, it's still going to be there tomorrow. It's, it's, it's okay. You don't have to respond straight away. You know, put your family first because they are the most important. Um, so for me, Meg, I guess, as I said, initially I, I, found, I thought I had a good balance, um, but then as the kids got older, it changed. And then, yeah, last year was that, was that, a slap in the face that I needed to get my priorities back to where they need to be. And as I said, family first, always. Um, yeah, and I think it was quite hard. It was quite tough facing that reality that, you know, I had actually changed. I had, I had started to put my family second, which I guess that, that hurt me. That hurt me a lot. Um, and it was something I'm so happy that I've changed. And so many people listening will be thinking, I get it, mm. that creep that creep that happens, you're in the classroom, that goes really well, then you're becoming a coordinator and that creeps on your time and then, oh, next thing you're in leadership, oh, oh, and there's all these demands and, oh, I've also got children, oh, oh, I've also got parents who need attention and this this creep on your time and I often think about 
school life and work life can often feel like the pokies in a sense that it feels like there's always more like this ding, 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 ding. There's always someone who wants your attention. And our home life can sometimes feel a bit of a drag and a bit more like the shares, like it's a long-term gain. You're not getting that instant feedback. And I think for a lot of educators going into remote learning, all of a lot of that feedback that you used to, like being in the classroom, having a joke, having a laugh, having this is, was gone. And so that's really uncomfortable for a lot of us to think, oh, geez, this is feeling a bit uncomfortable now and things are feeling a bit unaligned and it's a bit hard to be with my own family and I'm not feeling quite right at work and trying to navigate all of these different feelings when for a long period of time school life has felt different and looked different. And then for you to get to that point to be like, you know what, I pride myself on being family man and the truth of it at the moment is I'm not putting them first. I'm putting my work first. So I just applaud you for getting to that point because we know so many people that creep just continues and because they're so busy, being busy, they don't even have that opportunity to stop and notice, hey, things have got completely out of whack because you don't wake up in the morning thinking, yep, I'm going to go down this path. It just happens so slowly that we don't even know it's happened. So can you tell us a little bit more that, what you were starting to notice in yourself when work became more a priority? Yeah, absolutely, Meg. And I was just going to say, that, that was a perfect explanation. It's just that slow creep. You don't realise it's happening until all of a sudden, well, what, what happens? You know, how am I in this position? Um, yeah, so for me, as I said, last year, um, I probably noticed it prior to last year anyway, that, you know, that, okay, work is taking over, um, that I'm spending a lot of time at school and then if I'm, when I'm coming home, I'm not in the present. You know, I'm not in the present with 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 James, my wife. I'm not in the present with my kids. Um, yes, they're talking to me, but I'm not really listening. Um, you know, we do activities together. We, you know, we might go for a drive. We might go out the bush for a walk. We might go climb a mountain or something. We might go do a sport together. But my mind wasn't clear. My mind was still thinking about school. And I thought, okay, this is this is not right. You know, I'm again. My my sleeping uh, was was uh, horrible, um, and it was just. I was in a really bad headspace. Um, yes, yeah, so I think, yeah, as I said, I think last year having that isolation, having, you know, all the the frustrations of the lockdown and I'll admit I became irritable at home um, and I remember remember one day like myself and, and Ames were going for a walk. We often go for a walk and just, you know, debrief on the day or, you know, catch up which is, you know, Nice, you know, yeah. let's be honest, how often we actually get to see our spouse or spend time with our spouse. So it was lovely, lovely to do that. Um, Ames had been um, following, oh, Meg, following you, Meg, on Instagram. And um, she'd also completed one of your one of your courses. Um, and she she, know, she noticed your, you know, you've released this, released this program and she, she mentioned it to me. And um, I must admit, like, I remember when she mentioned it to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, right, you know, yeah, okay. All right, I'll do it just to make you happy, sort of thing. I'm not, my heart's not really into it. Um, and then I think, as I learnt more about it before we started, I thought, okay, yeah, no, I'll give this a go. I'll give it a go, but I was still a bit dubious, um, you know. And I, I remember our first session, man. You know, got to meet my team, got to meet you. We had a chat. We got to set some goals. 
And I thought, yeah, okay, all right, this this is looking good. This is looking good. Um, you know, some of the questions you asked me or asked the group um, allowed us to sort of or probably allowed me to gauge you and also the group and the program. Um, you know, so I'm still I'm still assessing people. You know, <laughs> damn that grade four person. Um, so. Um, I remember after I finished that first session, Ames obviously asked how it was, and I said, yeah, no, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good because straight away you allowed us to be open and honest and really self-analyse what was happening in our lives. Um, and I think like the, the key term is that you gave us permission to do that, you know, and, and that was probably a big one, Meg, for me, was that, you know, a lot of times we'll do something but we're only giving it half half-hearted you know just to tick the box you know and that was probably something I, I could have done here I could have just ticked the box but after that first group oh, sorry, well, sorry that's not my ethos and that, that's not my values also but I think after that first session or two I was I was fully I was fully involved 100% you know all right, I'm going to give this this course a really good crack um and I guess, you know, I'm, I'm reaping the rewards now of, of doing it. You know, it was, it was great. So as I said, Meg, for, to answer the initial, initial question, it was that slow progression, definitely. And then I was noticing I was spending more time doing schoolwork. But, yeah, the, the lockdowns were, were the final draw for me. That was, you know, that was the what broke the camel's back, I guess. Uh, and I'm just here thinking, go, Amy. Woohoo! Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's so important that we have people in our lives that can just gently plant a few seeds and get us over the line. I love this story. Um, you know, in biblical times, it was Eve that gave Adam the apple. You know, like, just you know, have a bite. We're not meant to. You're not have a, meant to have a bite of this. Have a bite. You never know what you'd see. And I love your willingness to have a bite of that apple. Yeah. To step into energy by design. You had no idea what you are in for no idea what to expect but then that willingness to move in knowing someone that you love and trust said come on why not give it a go to give it a go because I think that's a barrier for a lot of people with big hearts and who care so deeply to take time out for themselves did you feel that at all absolutely Meg I mean first of all I guess um I think the reason why you have that uh anxiety about starting something new is it's it is something new it can be uncomfortable um and as i said that first session i felt so comfortable i felt so relaxed i felt like yeah i want to be part of this team um and i want to i want to take this journey um so that was probably the first thing there um and yeah the the, the next part there i guess was you know what kind of thought sorry meg can you ask the question again please meg yeah oh, so just talking about that barrier to Create space and time for yourself, for your yeah, thank development. You. Thanks, Meg. Sorry. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, like most educators, like most teachers, that if we have spare, um, free time, spare time, we do more schoolwork, you know, so because, you know, we always have this list in our mind, don't we? And, you know, if we tick that list off, we'll be caught up, but we're never caught up. We're never up to date. You know, the list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And you get more frustrated because you're never, ever, ever going to achieve that list. So I think, as I said, you giving us permission, giving me permission to focus on myself, you know, to 
almost to be selfish, you know, well, fancy that, a teacher being selfish, you know, but to be selfish and actually concentrate on, on me um, was the best thing, Meg. It, it, it allowed me to become a better person and a better teacher. Um, and I think that was something that, you know, as the, as the course went along, you became more aware of that. Um, you know, like, let's be honest, as teachers, you know, if you get told you've got a meeting, oh, what have another meeting for? You know, what's, what's this meeting for? Or that meeting was a waste of time. You know, like anyone that does this course will find that you'll be sitting at your laptop waiting for 3.45 on a Thursday so you can have this meeting. It's like, come on, come on, come on. You know, you'll push your button to go into the into the meeting and hang on, it's 3.46 and Meg hasn't put me in yet. What's going on? You know, so you will be... You just want to do this. You look so forward to it. You look forward to to um to listening to Meg's interviews with people and learn about you know the different strategies and things you can embed into your life. It's as I said, Meg, allowing it, giving you giving us permission to do it, and then us allowing ourselves to do it is the greatest gift you can give. You know, it really is. You know, we talk about you know as educators, you know, teaching people is the greatest gift. You know. But we spend too much time focusing on other people. We don't spend enough time focusing on ourselves. And that leads to burnout. You know, it leads to you becoming unhappy, you know, as a family person, as a teacher. Just it, it's it's not healthy. So I really found, Meg, that, you know, that permission and that time was just the best, you know, hour or I guess if you include the interviews and the podcast, you know, a couple of hours a week that, that I could have spent. Um, it's just, I don't want to sound, you know, airy-fairy here, but in all honesty, Meg, you know, you haven't improved me as a teacher, you've improved me as a person. You know, you you have changed, this course has changed my life. Um, and as I said, that's that's the greatest gift you can give. And you've given me that gift because I got that beauty of light bulb moments, you know, and we must admit we had the dream team. Oh, we did, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, when... Educators come together who are passionate about what they do and lit up by what they do and just wanting their support on the human side. It's pretty magic what can come what can come out of those conversations. And it's spot on there, Meg. And that was probably the that was one thing I loved about our team was just, and I mentioned before, the open and honesty that we had, the open and honest conversations we had. And to make you realise that, you know, you're not alone. You're not the only person going through this. And, yes, you know, there was my team going through this, but gee, how many other people are sitting at home who, who are going through what we, you know, what, what we were experiencing? Um, and, again, it wasn't just, you know, as a teacher. It was as a person as well. So, you know, we got that conversation got very deep and, you know, it was, it was great. I, I, I really look forward to every session not just because as i said not because you're going to improve me not just because you can improve me as a teacher you've improved me as a person as well mate you know and i know my family and you know my students that are you know they're very very grateful you know i i often ask you know have you to, to, to aims to you know to my kids you know have you noticed the change and yeah they definitely do they know that change and it might be a slow creeping change similar to sort of you know that the, the burdens of teaching but it's definitely a change and it's definitely changed in the positive. And it's magic to hear that because for me to put this program together, I knew it had potential. Mm. As, as a teacher, you know when things have potential, if you've created a co-curricular, a trip, 
a camp, like you hope it's going to land, but you never know. And then to put it out into the world and see it land the way that it has is just magic. And what you said there, Shannon, I think is so important is that you're not alone. Whoever's listening to this, if you're a teacher, a parent, any big-hearted human, you are not alone. You know, the struggle is real to be able to give ourselves permission to be human and to take care of our needs because it's so interesting. If we had to do something for our children or for our students, we do it. No brainer. It's done. If they have to go to the specialist appointment in Timbuktu, we'll get them there. If they have to eat certain food, we'll find it. Ourselves, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can be bothered. Do I have to really go to that appointment? Like I can kind of skip that. So really trying to challenge this idea of having to be available and at the whim of everybody's needs 24-7 and carve out a bit of space for ourselves to stop and to think. And so I'd love to know from you, Shannon, out of what we covered during the program, which lessons or concepts do you think really have been an integral part of you moving forward? Yeah, um, probably for me, Meg, it, it started straight away in last year. Like, I remember um, the, the cast done, Crappy, Crappy to Happy. That was uh, an awesome interview to listen to. It was fantastic um, and really got me started thinking more about, you know, myself as a person. Um, you know, like I think I was just, you know, me, I'd like to love taking notes, Meg. Um, <laughs> so um, for everybody at home, yeah, Shannon always home, has sorry. his notes. I, um, always got his notes, always prepared, the yeah. ultimate teacher. I'm sure he has plenty of clipboards in his office somewhere. He's ready yeah. to roll. So what do your notes say there, Shannon? <laughs> so my main thing there that, that was probably a highlight for me was um, burnt out and realising that I was burnt out, you know, uh, emotional emotional exhaustion. Um, you know, you, yourself and Cass spoke about it. You know, we're about, I was becoming disconnected with, with my family, with my, with the profession, um, which, which, which I was really um, upset about, you know. That, family number one, love my family, you know, but also I love my job. I love teaching, you know. I'm nearly 20 years at it and, you know, I'm one of those people, you know, if, it's, if you're doing something you don't do, not enjoying, why are you doing it? You know, go find something else. And teaching for me is is my thing and I love it. Um, so I was I was burnt out. I was being negative, which, which hurt me because I, I regard myself as generally a I try to be a very positive person. Um, um, but I think, and probably leading on what you were saying before, Meg, is that I, um, as I said, I have a couple of younger staff members at school um, and I was their mentor. And I kind of felt that I was at a stage where I was probably putting a mask on. Um, I was, you know, looking happy and positive and everything on the outside, but on the inside I was hurting. Um, so I think... That one there, that, that that one with Cass done was was awesome. Meg, your interview with her really sort of opened my eyes about about that physical and emotional burnout. Um, but also, and, and the, the term that I guess really hit home for me was, and I've alluded to it already, was that self compassion. Um, actually, allowing myself time to do something for myself. Um, you know, you guys mentioned how it's probably the most challenging thing to do. Um, and particularly for a person like me, like I'm in my forties, <laughs> um, and I was I was brought up, you know, you, you know, you're, you're a male, you, you don't show any emotions, you don't show your hurt, you get up, you suck it up, that sort of thing. Um, and 
I guess, you know, well, 40 odd years of doing that, it's going to wear you down eventually, isn't it? Your feuds can only last so long. So um, for me to find that self-compassion or learn more about self-compassion and to be able to treat yourself, I guess, and, you know, that doesn't mean go out and buy, you know, the clothes or, you know, a, a chocolate cake or something like that. But, you know, it's more that, that you know, that, that emotional, you know, um, yeah, it's more the emotional, the intellectual sort of things were, were, were what I was really looking for there, Meg. So that one there was a, was a great one for me, that self-compassion. So as I said, that, the one with Cass Dunn was a really good session. That was our, that was our second, our third session, sorry. Um, but then just I guess that was sort of themes that we continued on through our journey. That self-compassion kept popping up for me, um, which which was great. Um Another one also was with uh, with with Jody Richardson, Dr. Jody Richardson, when we spoke about anxiety. Um, you know, and I have I have sort of suffered anxiety. You know, um, back when I was in my late teens, um, I, I had a heart operation and things didn't quite go well after the heart operation. So that was sort of a, a byproduct of that. Um, so to learn more about that and ways of coping with that were, were fantastic. Um, so that was just a nice little. Add a bonus for me, I guess. Um, but yeah, the last one probably was with Jennifer Camp. Like that was, that was great. Um, at the, on our very first session, you know, um, we set goals for ourselves and got to explain what type of person we are. And I actually used the term of perfectionist. Um, so, you know, Jennifer Camp's understanding perfectionism, uh, really hit home for me. So, um, you know, realizing that, as I said, you, you never, going to be perfect and you're never going to actually tick off every everything on that list that I spoke about before um you know it's just it's an ongoing thing and that yeah you, you have goals yes and you will achieve those goals but don't aim for unrealistic goals such as trying to be on top of everything because it's not gonna happen. <laughs> particularly as a teacher um you know, like, yeah, not setting standards that are out of reach, that sort of stuff there. Um, so for me, those, definitely Cass and Jennifer, they, those two sessions for me, Meg, really hit home um, and made me more self-aware of my journey and what needed to change in my journey. Um, but as I said, self-compassion for me was definitely a highlight for me and, and I, well, that was definitely something I focused on in our last session when we got to sort of do a, a self-analysis of ourselves, um, which was one of the most powerful things I've ever done, I must admit, you know, having to having to analyse myself and, and sort of talk about myself and the changes that I've made, that was just, that was amazing. Like I, I finished doing that and I was on such a high. I was like, I think I nearly ran out the street and high-fived anyone walking past. It was, it was great. So for me, Meg, that were the two things. Uh, they were able to stand out for me as, as a person and, and, and changing the journey that I'm on. Oh, I love that you share that because you have just highlighted the two things that I work with educators all the time. And I think let's just talk about self-compassion. Self-compassion for us big-hearted humans is the hardest and the most transformative skill and practice that we can have in our lives because so many of us have this completely unrealistic expectation of ourselves. We don't have a human expectation. We have this superhero expectation. And what I've noticed going through this pandemic is 
we have kept the expectations of pre-COVID and tried to keep that going in remote learning. And when you step back and look at that, that is ridiculous. There is no way that I can be performing like that. And I also see that with that transition from people going from working full-time to coming back part-time because they've had children, their standards are, why can't I, I used to be able to do this, but you used to be able to do this because you had all the time in the world. You had the weekends, you had after school, you had sleep, you know, and actually being compassionate that we are a human and our circumstances change and throughout our career, our ability and capacity to give to school will change and shift. Spot on, Megan. I think it came back to what is realistic and what is unrealistic. Um, and, and that is that, that sums it up, doesn't it? And you're spot on there. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. I was one of those ones during remote learning that, you know, I still have high expectations and I still expect myself to reach that and my students to reach that. And if they didn't reach it or if I didn't reach it, I got very, very frustrated. And, well, <laughs> in the end, I guess in hindsight, probably the best thing that happened to me because I got to do this program. <laughs> Well, um, David, my therapist, who uh, people will hear from in this series, he always says some of our best gifts come in the ugliest wrapping. Yes, absolutely. We don't ask for it. We don't want it. We want to return it and it's here to stay and we do get some gifts out of it. And another topic that you brought up is this perfectionist mindset. You know, as educators, I, I would be so rich if I had a dollar for every time an educator said, I'm if I could just get on top of it, I'm just a little bit behind. I, if I just do these few things, I'll I'll be sorted. And it is a complete and utter mirage. Education, like so many other jobs, it is never, ever finished. There is always another document <laughs> to format. There's always another email to write, another report is around the corner. And being able to draw those boundaries, and I know for you, you really worked on boundaries and technology and your emails, and I'd love you to share just a little bit about that because I know a lot of people are really struggling with being able to switch off. And something you said earlier was about even when you were home, your head wasn't home, your headspace wasn't home. So could you tell us some things that you've implemented to create a little bit more space? Yeah, that was a really good one for me, Meg. Um, so as I said, last year, you know, during lockdowns, we, we um, as a school, we use Teams, and I know a lot of schools are using Teams or other platforms. Um, and I guess the dangers with any platform is that you are available 24-7. Um, so, like, you know, I've got my laptop, Teams on my phone, Teams that goes through my watch, you know, so I can see everything that's happening. So I was getting pinged, you know, 24-7, and it was unhealthy. It was really unhealthy for me. So to have that mindset, to have that change in mindset, we're about, you know, after a certain time, let's say 4.30, right, that's it. You know, you are not answering any emails. You're not responding to anything that pops up on Teams. Um, and it's almost, it was almost like, you know, I went cold turkey, you know, so, that, um, you know, I didn't actually turn the notifications off and try, you know, and if people, if that works for people, do so. Turn your notifications off, you know. But, um you know, I was still getting it pop up on my watch and I was like, oh, well, who cares? I'll look at it tomorrow. You know, so it was just it was just a complete change in mindset. Um, but I think also like, and this is nothing we mentioned during our, our sessions, was that as a school we sent out information to parents and saying, that, you know, that 
yes, whilst, you, you know, students can access their work and complete their work at any time, staff are only available between 8.30 and 4.30, you know, so that was really strong from a school point of view as well to come out and say that. Um, it gave gave us backing, gave teachers backing to know that it's okay not to be there, not to answer those emails or to check work, you know, when it pops up. It's okay. Um, and, and as I mentioned before, you know, having that change in mindset was so powerful, Meg, you know, making me, making me realise that you're not at everyone's beck and call, you know, because if you are, your family suffers, you know, and again, that you, you, you're ruining your number one, you know, you're, you're not being present again and it's, it's, it becomes toxic. Um, you know, it was really, it was it becomes really toxic. So, for me, Meg, as I said, you know, I went cold turkey. I just ignored it, and I and I'm able to do that now. Like, I know, you know, my phone will go off, and Ames will go, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Nothing. Why? What do you mean?" Well, your phone just pinged. You know, who cares? You know, I'll look at it tomorrow. So, um, you know, but as I said, if if you ask or if someone listening to this is out there that wouldn't be able to do that, turn your notifications off. Just Put your phone or your watch somewhere else, you know, and and go and spend time with your with your with your family, you know. Or if you haven't got a family, go spend time with your dog. Or just go outside and spend time with yourself, you know. Go and enjoy this this life that we have. You know, we spend so much time worrying about and investing our time in others. What are you doing for yourself, you know? In when and I think I was having this chat with Ames, you know, like, you know, when we, I guess, when we finally, uh, when it comes to the end, you know, like your last few days alive, you're going to look back and be proud of what you've done. Are you going to think, geez, I wish I had spent more time looking after myself? I wish I had actually gone and and done this stuff for me, rather than worrying about everybody else. Um, I know I've got a little bit off track there, Meg, but as I said, that's probably been a real game changer for me, a real shift, shift in focus. You know that. You know, when when I get to the end, I want to, you know, if I get those couple of days or get time to, to self-analyse myself and the life I've lived, I want to be proud of what I've done as a teacher, absolutely. But I want to be more proud of what I've done as a person, you know, like what have I done for my family and what have I done for myself? And that that self-compassion I mentioned before, Meg, is, you know, probably it all stems back to that, you know, really, really allowing myself to do that. So as I said, you know, it's just... Ignore the to ignore the emails, ignore the notifications. The work's still going to be there tomorrow. It's not going away, guys. We know that because that list never disappears. But allow yourself time for yourself. Yes, so Shannon. Fun. I love that because we know the list never appears. No one comes and picks it up and thinks, oh, I'll do those jobs for yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> but even there, Meg, if someone came and did our jobs for us, we'd go and find more jobs to do, wouldn't we? Because yeah. we're teachers. <laughs> Yeah, and they probably wouldn't do it the way we wanted it, so we're exactly. doing it again. <laughs> exactly. Just just fixing it up a little bit yes, and just yes. rearranging it the way that we do it because, yes, let's exactly. face it, us as educators, we do create a lot of work for ourselves coming back to these standards and expectations and working through all of that. So we sometimes need to stop and think, does it need an extra, you know, format? Does it need this or is it good enough, you know, to work through this good enough mindset? Because at the end of the day, what I've really started to notice is when you're in the classroom and when your head is busy with all this expectation, the leadership, the email, all the things, 
it actually takes away from what we love, those light bulb moments, relationships, because we're not present in the classroom. I remember towards the end of my teaching career when I had so much going on, I wasn't as present. And I'm embarrassed now looking back because I was so caught up in my own importance and what I was doing and everything I had to do that I'm sure I missed opportunities for connection. I'm sure I missed those light bulb moments because I was so wrapped up in all the things. And so that is why it's so important for us to take a breath, to get rid of some of this intensity, have the permission to be human and just think about why am I here? What What's the meaning? What's the purpose? And have I got a little bit off track? And how can I bring myself back on track? And I know for so many educators, when they do get a bit of free time, it's uncomfortable. So that's where work comes in. So we need to move through that discomfort and go out and find some things that absolutely light us up. So from, from you, Shannon, I would love to know if there's a teacher out there that's feeling exhausted, feeling a little bit over it and probably on seek.com thinking maybe there's better options for me, what would be some heartfelt advice that you can give them in this time? Probably the first thing for me, Meg, is, and this is something we spoke about, it's it's time to get off the dance floor and get up on the balcony. I think you've got to start with that. You've got to do some self-analysis of yourself. Not as a teacher, as a person. You know, so are you investing too much time in teaching and not enough time is with you as a person. Um, so that's probably the first thing for me. Um, and another thing we sort of mentioned is, you know, it's it's time to, to hurry up and slow down. You know, it's time just to to just take a breath, smell the roses, you know. So and that was probably that was that, that were two big things for me, Meg, was that, you know, a lot a lot of teachers, let's be honest right now, um, are suffering burnout. They're suffering extreme burnout, frustration, um, is at an all-time high. Um, and I think also that anxiety too of not knowing what's happening. You know, are we going to continue to be in lockdown? Are we going to continue to be remote teaching? When are we back in a classroom? What do I do with those students who haven't done the work? You know, so you can have all these things going through your mind. Um, so I think, yeah, I think initially you just got to stop, slow down and Plan things out, you know, be a bit more realistic about your expectations and your goals. Um, and that that's probably an important one there too, that, you know, everyone has their own backstory and everyone has their own issues going on. So there probably are reasons why some people can't get things done and be sympathetic to that. But I guess at this point in time right now, as you said, like our, our fuses are short and that sympathy is not quite there. So I think definitely, you know, get off the dance floor and just take a step back from life for a little moment, definitely take two steps back for a little moment and get up on the balcony and do a self-analysis. Analyse what's going on in your life um, and start to go from something from there. Now, I guess for me, Meg, you know, this this program was what got me on the right track with that. I mean, yes, I guess I can, I can sit here and say, you know, take a step back and analyse yourself, but a lot of us don't have the tools to do that. Um, and if I am able to do it, what do I do next? So I think, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to seek assistance. You've got to seek help. I mean, you know, we're, we're educators, we're teachers, 
Um, but a lot of the times we are so caught up in our own little world, we're so caught up in our own classroom and what's happening there, we don't think about anything else. We don't accept assistance from other people. Um, that's got to change, you know, because it's, as I said, it's not healthy, it's not um, So for me, Meg, yeah, I think doing something like this program was easily the best thing I could have done. Um, and I'm not just saying that, Meg, it, it truly is. Like I mentioned it before, you know, this for me isn't just about improving me as a teacher, it's about improving my life. Um, so as I said, I think, yeah, for anyone listening to this, guys, just stop and smell the roses, slow down, um, do a bit of a self-analysis. Um, and, again, if you're if you're at that stage, we're here on seek.com and thinking stuff, there's going to be something else better than, than this for me. Um and I, I must admit, I was, I was considering doing something else too. I was, uh, I was looking at something else as well. Don't get me wrong there. Um, but then, let's be honest, guys, I mean, most people out here, 99% of the people out here are brilliant teachers. They're brilliant and creative and enthusiastic and, you know, you, you're there because you love what you do and you love the kids and you love the relationships. You love everything about it. And right now you're just caught up in... The unknown you're caught up in you know what is COVID and I think because it is something new and something we don't know much about and we don't know we're, we're dealing with things we've never had to deal before I mean as I said I've been teaching for nearly 20 years and you know all of a sudden you get this thrown at you this isn't the norm um you know so seeking that assistance is, is vital because let's we're not this is not our expert we're not experts at this this is not our field you know so find someone like Nick uh, to, uh, to assist with that. So, yeah, that's probably my advice there, Meg, is, yeah, to, to do a bit of a self-analysis um, and, yeah, don't throw away your passion. Don't throw away what you truly love. And as I said, as you always know, you know, if you get past your five years, you're, you're in it for the long haul um, and you're in it because you love it. So I think find that love again, find that passion again, find that enthusiasm again. You know, just do what you have to think back to that moment in time. I love that. And the image that's coming to mind for me is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Spot on, Meg, absolutely, yep. And, and, and as I said, I mean, and you're spot on now, I mean, straight away when things get challenging, you know, we, we teach the kids resilience, but how often do we do it ourselves? <laughs> um, you know, so... Yeah, get back, think about the type of person you want to be, you know, and work out how, what you need to do to be, become that person again. As I said, like, I was in a position that I hated. I absolutely hated it. I'd gone away from the person I wanted to be, gone away from the teacher I wanted to be, um, and it took that, you know, walk in the park with Ains to have that discussion to get me on back on the right path, back on, back on my right journey. So, yeah, you're spot on there, Meg. Don't, yeah. I don't know if you have the bathwater because, uh, yeah, there, there is a lot more to it. And you know, that's what you're going to miss out on. Absolutely, because let's face it, there's nothing more magic than being in a classroom when it's on song and you're getting those light bulb moments. And as you said earlier in the conversation, to see them grow up, to have relationships, to get married, to go off, that is no one, you can't put a price on that. That is the gold and sometimes the mess and the mud 
we forget about the gold and that's why I was so excited to share your story today because it reminds us that what we do matters, that education matters and that there is gold there but sometimes when life feels muddy and messy we just can't find it so and we need some help to get there so I'm so glad Amy encouraged you to come along and do the program and if people work with me great but work with somebody else just find somebody who is going to walk with you on your journey because what we know when it comes to well-being is there is no one size that fits all it's not just a one like do this tick 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 happy days it just doesn't work like that you need to be with someone who's willing to let you struggle and grow. Now, with that also, Meg, I guess, too, whatever you do, find that find that thing that's going to make sure it's prolonged as well. You know, it's not a Band-Aid on, on an amputation. You know, we need to we need to make sure it's stitched up right. We need to make sure we're, we're right to continue with it. So, yeah, and I, I think, yeah, that's spot on, whether it's with you or somebody else, find that, that thing that's going to ensure that it's going to be prolonged. Mm, absolutely because that's the really important part and I know for me I'm so excited when our group catches up down the track to see how everybody's going and what strategies they've kept and what mindsets they've kept going and working through that because we know life gets busy things get hard and these are the skills that we need when we can start to notice oh okay that creeps coming back again back off the dance floor let's retweak and go again to finish up this conversation, Shannon, I would love you to finish off four sentences. This is the last last little bit of work for you to do. What do you reckon? <laughs> okay, Meg, far away. Okay, here we go. I am inspired by. I'm inspired by. I'm inspired by the future. I'm inspired by the unknown of what's coming next. Um, and for me, that's a big change in mindset um as i said you know last year i was not inspired by the future and i was definitely inspired by what was coming next so i'm definitely i've got that reinvigoration with with teaching and as a person as well so um i'm inspired by what's coming next i'm inspired by the the journey that i've started and how that will continue um and I guess like with that there, like, I've obviously spoken to you, Meg, about this is the SPIRE model. And, you know, for me, the, the intellectual side of things is is more the, the side I need to spend more time on. And I've, I've been listening to podcasts and, and a few other things as well and um, taking notes. You know, I love taking notes. So I'm really inspired by what the future has for me as a person but also for me as a teacher. Oh, I feel inspired just listening to you be inspired. That's just gold. And the next one, um, when life feels hard. Yes, yes, when life feels hard. Um, and, yes, as you said, um, you're still going to have hard times. You're still going to have challenging times. Um, for me, Meg, it was drawing on what I'd learnt. It was drawing on the strategies that I'd learnt. Um, I'll admit that, and again, for, for people listening, I've got a little black book Meg alluded to before that I, that I take notes in. Um, and the, the reason why I take those notes is so that I've got that information there so that when life gets hard for me, 
I refer back to my little black book. I refer back to it. I read through my notes and I get perspective on things. Um, and that's probably the important thing too is get perspective on it. You know, is it is it really that bad? You know, is it really that hard? You know, let's put it in perspective. So, um, yeah, for me, as I said, when life gets hard, I, I seek strategies to solve the problem. Um, and for me, a lot of those strategies in my little black book that I refer back to. So, um, yeah, I think, and I've been, uh, yeah, that, that's that's probably the best way I can answer one there, Meg, is that when life gets hard, seek strategies to solve the problem. Don't just, you know, put your head against the wall because it solves nothing. Mm, so true. An underrated skill is? Ooh, again, probably male and saying this. <laughs> uh, being actually no, my first one here would be being open to learning. Um, and again, you know, we we tell kids to be open to learning, but we don't do it ourselves. So being open to learning, and with that, being open, honest, vulnerable. Um, but also, I guess the one about I mentioned about being male, listening. You know, listening's a a, a key there because you know, and I guess. All those things culminate to being in the present, you know. So I know I've touched on a number of different skills there, Meg, but it all brings back to being in the present, you know. So whether you're having a conversation with your partner, your kids, your students, whoever, being in the present and actually being an active listener to it. Um, yeah, so for me, Meg, it's a... It's not just an underrated skill. There are a number of skills there that uh, that we need to uh, apply more to our lives. Absolutely. And I am looking forward to. Yeah, I got definitely it goes on with my first one with Inspired. I'm looking forward to what's happening next, Meg, what's coming up next for me as a person um, and whether that's and, and as an educator as well, I should say there too. Um, you alluded to before, my, my kids are getting a little bit older now. My second is finishing year 12 and my third is uh, currently in year nine. So I think I'm actually looking forward to what could be happening in the next 12 months, but then also after my daughter finishes year 12, what happens next next for me as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to my future, I guess, um, where, as I said, Last year I wasn't. I, I really wasn't looking forward to it. I was working. I, I was living day by day. You know, I really was, and I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, there wasn't even a candle flickering down there. Um, but now, you know, I'm really looking forward to what the future holds. And I, I don't want to sound, you know, cliche and you know about that one there, but but I really am. Um, and again, that's that's been a big change for me too, Meg. Um, you know, setting goals, achievable goals, realistic goals, all those sort of things um, were things I hadn't done before. You know, yes, Ains told me to, but I never never really saw. You know, oh, yeah, that's a goal I could try, or oh, why would I set that as a goal? That's not really a goal, you know. But now realizing that, yeah, no. they are goals and they are achievable. And when you tick them off, yeah, give yourself a high five. And move on to something else because your journey is continuing. So I think it all comes back to that, Meg, is that journey. You know, we've all been on a, a journey of life. It's taken a, it's, it's hit a fair road bump the last uh, last 18 months. But don't have that as an excuse to have your journey go downhill. You know, make sure your journey continues up and onwards. Um, be the best person you can 
Um, and yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, Meg. That's that's really what I'm looking forward to. Oh, I think everybody's listening. Anyone who's got children thinking, damn, I want Shannon to be my kids' teacher. That, this is what <laughs> we want. You know, we want our young people to be looking at vibrant people who want to be here that are excited about the future. I listened to an interview uh, last week and someone was saying, oh, what are we, what, how are the kids coping? What, how are the kids? And straight away, the guest said, let's stop talking about the kids. How are the adults coping? Because the kids are looking to the adults. And that's where we have such a responsibility. And her advice was, if you can't take care of yourself for you, if it's too hard to take care of yourself for you, do it for your kids. Do it for your students. And I think your story has showed that in spades, that Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, we're a little bit dubious. And we analyse teachers, let's face it. <laughs> teachers are the worst when it comes to looking at other teachers, like what are they doing right, what are they doing wrong, and move through that discomfort and just see what's possible when you reach out to others because there are so many educators out there, if they're in your school or in your community, that are desperate and yearning for deep and meaningful conversations this is what educators want. They want that sense of meaning and that space to remember the magic of why they became a teacher. Shannon, you're an absolute rock star. I am so glad that you did the course because my life is definitely better from meeting you and I love to see big-hearted teachers in the world doing incredible things. Thank you so much for being on the School of Wellbeing. My absolute pleasure, Megan. Thank you so much. What an incredible conversation. Shannon's zest for life, love of learning and passion for education is contagious. I am so glad that Shannon openly shared his story of struggle and strength. You don't have to be a teacher to resonate with Shannon's story. I think we all experience times where the pressures of life creep in and we become disconnected to what matters most and who we want to be. I am so inspired by his journey and I cannot wait to see the ripple effect Shannon creates in his school and wider community. Before you go, I would like to invite you to stop and take a moment to think about the two following questions. Number one, from this conversation, what is one thing you want to remember? What is your pearl? And number two, what is one action you can take in the next 24 hours to improve your well-being? To keep in the loop with our latest news, special announcements and practical ways to feel good and live well, subscribe to The Thought of the Week, your free dose of wellbeing education and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. To support the show, please rate and review on iTunes and share with your family, friends and colleagues. I am so grateful that you are taking the time to listen to these heartfelt conversations and I really hope that they're having a positive impact in your life. All the links from this episode will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to an episode of the School of Wellbeing. This episode was proudly brought to you by Open Mind Education. Open Mind Education is committed to sharing wellbeing education that makes sense. To learn more, visit the website openmindeducation.com. There you can sign up for the free five-step energy guide to help boost your energy so you can better navigate the ups and downs of life. Thank you for listening and I look forward to sharing more lessons in the School of Wellbeing next week.